Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, most people don't know that I used to be an artist way back in 02 to 05, 2002 to 2005. And it didn't end well. Now, there are a lot of things that I did badly in art as a business that I think can really benefit you as a business owner, entrepreneur, or wanting to start your own business or have your side business, or as the Americans say, your side hustle or whatever. So if you'd have been with me in 2005, You'd have seen me at the darkest depths of my passion that I merged into my profession that became my depression. And I got into a dark place. The, um, the paintings that I was painting got darker and darker and darker, not just in colour, like it was really blood red and black, like a Slayer front cover album. I was also listening to a lot of German, German heavy metal and I didn't get out much. You know, like I, I haven't seen people, I've forgotten what they were like. And... Before I get to some of the mistakes I made that I think you can learn from, I should have succeeded as an artist. I had everything going for me. Now, there are a lot of people that have got really hard life stories. But up until this point, everything had been probably a bit too easy for me. You know, my parents are still together to this day. They barely ever argued. My dad gave me everything I ever needed. He was a millionaire and then bust and millionaire and then bust and millionaire and then bust and had a love for business and entrepreneurship and really instilled that in me and used to take me around all of his businesses. From a young age, he used to let me count all the money on the pool table. You remember those massive 10Ps if you're from England and he used to let me count them all. And I loved it. And um, I always had this thing for art. When I was two and three, I was drawing a lot. Everything I got interested in, dinosaurs, birds, you know, of the flying variety, not of the girl variety. Football, when I became a Liverpool supporter really young, I used to just draw everything. And at GCSE, this, the, this was the culmination of my so-called success because I got 100% of GCSE art, which no one in the country had gotten to that date, and certainly not in that year, and I don't know if since, because art's very subjective, so how do you give someone 100% of art? But I got 100%, and because they, they gave me a big award at school, and it was a massive thing, so then I went to art college, and um, you know, again, sort of did a lot of art, and loved it, and would draw all through all the breaks, and while everyone else is playing pool and having lunch, I'd sit there drawing meticulously. And um, I had a motorbike crash at the end of my first year, start of my second year of sixth form college and, and was in a pretty bad way. Broke quite a lot of bones in my body, was in rehab and physio for months. And so missed pretty much the second year, so couldn't do any of my work. But what it did was I took my GCSE art, I took the green mount card off, I put the uh, grey mount board on, resubmitted it and I got 98%. And you know, at this, time, at this kind of level, and by the way, this story ends really badly, so I'm not, you know, blowing my own trumpet here. There's some good lessons in this for you. At this kind of level, you know, you probably got Michael Jordan, you probably got Tiger Woods. You know, I was the prodigy of art. And then I lost my way for sort of seven years, university, drink, various things. I worked for my dad and it was just something to do to help out. The, and I ended up staying there for years. You can probably relate to taking a job and then staying there for years and you've lost control of your life. And then one day I had a massive argument with my dad. He, he, these big boxes of Walker's crisps, you know, 48 bags in it. He threw this box at me. He told me to F off. I told him to reciprocate and I walked out. Now, between um, walking out of the pub and next door where I lived, that was the time in which I decided what my new career was going to be. And I was going to be an artist because that's all I knew how to do. And so I started painting. 
And if someone were to look at my work, it was like they were judging my soul. And if anyone weren't to show this amazing interest in it, or even gave me any feedback or didn't like it, that would be like wounding my soul. And I see now a lot of people in business, they take the rejection of it very personally. Now, should you merge your passion profession and should you set up a business doing what you love? Well, look, you're more likely to go through the challenges if you love doing it. But the problem is, if it's a hobby and a passion and something you love and you, you, know, you open your soul to the world and you show them, can you take the rejection? Can you take the feedback? Can you take haters and trolls and critics, you know, panning it? And um, that was something that I couldn't take back then. And, um, you know, so I got uh, more and more introverted. And my solution to creating work that didn't sell was to go back into my cave and create more work that wouldn't sell. And so that was another delusion. Now, you know, there was plenty of art competitions and there was loads of art galleries between Peterborough and London. Peterborough's only 70 mi uh, minutes on the train. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. from London, door to door. And so, you know, all I had to do was get a portfolio of my work and get on the road and start entering it in competitions and showing it to galleries and meeting agents and trying to meet other fellow artists. And I did not have either the courage, the confidence. And again, my wounded soul would take any rejection personally. So let's say I went into a gallery on the one of the, the rare events where I held my breath and swallowed my pride and took some courage to walk in. And I'd show them my work. And they'd look at it kind of quickly and maybe they'd say, oh, well, we haven't, you know, we've got too many artists or, you know, this isn't the right work for us. That's probably what they meant. But what I perceived they meant was, you're a rubbish artist. You shouldn't be an artist. You will never succeed. You should piss off back to Peter and get back in your hole. So that's exactly what I would do. And I'd go back on the train, you know, with my tail between my legs and I'd go and paint more paintings. I had more paintings in my house than I did in any galleries, you know, and I had more paintings that I owned than I'd sold. So, you know, I didn't embrace selling. I could have gone to some agents, you know, some art agents, and I could have said, hey, look, will you promote my work? And of course, if they rejected me, I'd take that personally. But also, you know, if they wanted 30% or 50%, I'd think that was outrageous. I did all the work. But then, of course, you know, I didn't understand joint ventures then, and I didn't understand leverage. And hey, if, if an art agent has got a load of really sort of well-financed art buyers, I should have given him 70%. Because not only would it have got me some money in the bank to pay my mortgage and sustain my lifestyle, which was pretty cheap back then, but it would have been seen by other artists because I knew nothing about marketing. There was no social media. There were no live videos. There were no podcasts, YouTube channels back in, you know, 03 when I was doing it. So really it was galleries or it was word of mouth. 
And uh, the only marketing I had was word of mouth. So on the rare occasion that, you know, I hung my art in someone's house, someone might uh, go to their house and like the art and put me in touch. And that was really the only way I sold any art. And it just ground me down and ground me down and ground me down. And I started to take on all these false beliefs. You can't make money as an artist. You know, you, um, you're only ever going to make money as an artist when you're dead. You know, art and selling, art and business, they don't go hand in hand. One's creative, one's, you know, commercial or consumer or capitalist. And I became a little bit of a, you know, a hippie, if you like. And I just um, had a bad relationship with money. I had a bad relationship with customers and people. And, you know, like, I wanted to be really unique. I wanted to be really creative. But the problem is, uh, because I wanted to be unique and I wanted to be creative, A, I was misunderstood. I mean, you know, Peterborough weren't getting my art. And that was another excuse I had. Well, if it was London, they'd all get it. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm too early. I'm too ahead of the curve for Peterborough. They weren't getting some of my crazy modern art. But here's the reality of my delusion. I wasn't getting them. Now, on the rare occasion, I used to do some commissions. Commissions were great because, you know, you'd normally get reasonable money for it. You wouldn't have to pay a gallery 30, 40 or 50%. Could kind of choose your prices. And by the way, I'd always choose low. No idea why I'd always choose low. In fact, I do now and I'll, and I'll share in a minute. But, you know, commissions were great. But I was the kind of artist that says, I'm going to paint this for you instead of what do you want me to paint you? And many people in business now are running a business like, here's what I've got. You can have it. Instead of asking the clients, the demographic, what is it you want and giving it to them. So I wasn't really understanding what bespoke art and uh, commissions were like. I was just trying to express myself. Now, the ideal way to merge a passion profession and to scale a business and make it sustainable and have a good margin is to merge what your customers and client want, what the market in general wants and needs and what's popular and, you know, what you want to give to your marketplace, you know, the creative expression of you. And hey, every business is creative, even if it's kind of a techie business or a systems business, it's still creative because you're solving problems for people. So I didn't kind of get that triangle. And therefore, you know, a lot of people ended up not really liking the commissions that I gave them because, like I said, I had a bit of a kind of a dark take on life and that didn't really sustain. Now, at the time, Damien Hurst was cutting up dead animals and preserving them and selling them for tens of millions. And Tracy Emin was getting in beds and unmaking them and dirtying them up and selling them for millions. And that really pissed me off. That's not art. That's outrageous. That's a ripoff to the clients. How can you do that? Do you think your clients are, and art buyers are stupid? Because I got really bitter with all my work in my house, selling nothing, making nothing. And the reality is, as I look back now, they knew a lot of things about art that I didn't. Now, if you look at people like Hurst and people like Emin, they were also very well educated and trained. Now, I wrote quite a lot of stories about the parallels of art and money and art and business in my new book, which is coming out soon, Money. I actually think it's on pre-order on Amazon. You might search money, Rob Moore. But I, I, the, the sort of the, the river that ran through the whole book was kind of the analogy of art and business. And... One thing I never knew until I studied this properly was that Tracy Emin had gone to you know, good art school her whole life and she'd earned her stripes. She'd done the technical stuff. She'd done the you know, more traditional stuff. She'd done the contemporary stuff. So she earned the right to do the modern stuff. And also when Tracy Emin is charging for her work, she's not just charging for the cost of the bed and the cost to unmake it, which is something that I was doing as an artist. If I had a one meter by one meter canvas on the back of the wall that you could see there and I knew that cost me... 100 quid and I knew that the materials cost 30 quid and there's 130 quid cost there 
There's no way I could ever charge more than 495 because I felt like I was ripping people off. But I didn't know the difference between gross margin and net margin. And you know, gross margin might have been 75%. But net margin, all my time, my life's work, drawing since I was two and three and five years old and getting the 100% of GCSE and the 90% of A level, all of that reduced the net margin to probably virtually zero because my time wasn't being factored in. And Hearst and Emin understood the value of their whole life, their brand, their reputation, everything they'd ever done in the pricing of their work. And of course, they had great agents who have great access to probably Russian billionaires and Qatarian billionaires and famous art collectors. And, um, you know, they knew how to put a message across and they understood marketing and controversy, all this stuff that I didn't. And so it's really fascinating when I was uh, di digging even deeper to do the research for my new book, Money, uh, where I was able to explore all this. I just wish I'd known this 12 years ago. Now, also recently on my Facebook page, oh no, it's not recently because I've scheduled it, so it'll be coming soon. I asked you, what one thing do you think they should have taught at school that they didn't? Now, when I was in art school, I think they should have taught us about the business of art. Because sure, a lot of people do art because it's a hobby. But if you go to university to do an art degree, surely the assumption is you want to run that as a business. And, you know, a hobby and a business are totally different things. And as much as, you know, there's this sort of delusional dream that, hey, we can just do our hobby, man, and do what we want and have creative freedom and expression and all, all of these millionaires will come and buy all of our work and, you know, we'll be sold out. That's kind of like a bit of a fluffy dream. The reality is a business, you might, you might love it, it might be a passion, but a business is about sales. It's about marketing. It's about branding. It's about scaling. It's about understanding gross margin and net margin. You know, it's, it's finance. Sometimes it's, you know, legal work. You know, it's uh, accounts. It's, it's all these things. Sometimes it's HR if you grow a bigger business. And because I never understood any of that being an artist. All right. So I just thought I'd share a few stories of you know, what I was able to carry forward as an artist into property and business. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with selling. And a lot of people, especially us arty creative types, they have this phobia on selling, like we're encroaching on people, you know, like it's, it's a very un-British thing. I think we're going to learn a lot from the Americans about that because the Americans are like, I've got something I believe in and it is my duty to sell it to you and your life will be better if you buy this, and us, and us Brits are very much like, oh no, after you, oh no, after you, oh no, after you. I mean, I don't want to sell or anything, but if you like it, you know, then, oh, okay, you know, but oh. they don't follow up, you know, they don't have any sort of sales systems, they don't refine any sales scripts, and you know, and, and I was too apologetic as an artist when I was selling. I didn't understand marketing, so my art wasn't on any of the websites or with agents or in galleries. I didn't understand that your business is a representation of who you are, so if you lack confidence, and if you're shy and if you're, you have low self-worth about you, that's going to transmute into your business, your art, your work. And so, you know, I had to do a lot of personal development to kind of get over a lot of my fears and doubts and worries. I used to worry about what all, all the people who are looking at my art thought about my art. And um, just like if you've ever had an argument with someone in your head, I used to show my art to someone and there'd just be this ridiculous dialogue of, oh, they hate it. And are they going to tell everyone it's rubbish? And are they going to tell everyone it's, it's kind of like... Um, I don't know, a bit conceited and, you know, it's a bit too up itself and I don't understand it and, you know, it, it's just squiggled and chuck paint all over the place and, you know, there's no talent or technique in it and all this dialogue just go on and on and on and on. Ridiculous. All right, so I hope you found this uh, quick, fast session useful on the business of art and the art of business. 
hey, I may do a part two or part three because I've got lots of stories to tell when I was an artist. But if you're going to merge your passion with your profession, show the world who you really are, accept the haters and the critics along the way. In fact, that's feedback to improve. And, you know, relentlessly, shamelessly sell what you've got because if you believe in it and the world need it, then it is your duty to give it to them. You owe it to people to give them your work. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Rob Moore. And if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. If you've got any questions, by the way, I've just seen Samantha pop a question in there. If you've got any questions, post them now and I'll answer them in the thread a bit later on. 